If you have your Bible, turn to Luke, the 18th chapter, please. If you have it, say amen. Okay. All right. I studied all day, probably eight, nine hours, and I was raring to go. And then Brenda called me and reminded me that half the congregation would be in the choir room learning the songs for the celebration that's coming up, and also the meal and the mortgage burning. And uh, I know that there'll be a lot of people attending, and one of the things that we want to pray is that that will go well. I want to thank in advance already those that have sent cards and some beautiful letters that we received already. And uh, if you were here and one that sent a letter or whatever, we want to thank you, and we'll be thanking everybody a little later on. So anyway, um, I was studying, and I enjoyed what I was studying, and I was excited about the message, and I was really anxious to preach it. And then along came Brenda. And she threw a wet blanket all over me. So I only had about 35 minutes left before I had to rush off. And uh, I pulled the message. And I also have another one that I'm working on that I'm really excited about preaching. And... Um, We'll be having the service Sunday, and of course, we'll have a guest speaker, and uh, I don't know who all will be here. Donna Romine is working on that, and then they'll be having a wonderful meal, a sit-down meal, and I can't get anybody to tell me what the meal is going to be about, but I'm still investigating, and uh, I know it's going to be a great time, and uh, we just pray that everything will go well with everybody that's planning and those that are singing and uh, those that are organizing. I uh, want to read just one verse, and that's verse 1 in the 18th chapter of Luke. We're going to have a small devotion, and then I'd like to have some prayer. And uh, we really need to get a hold of God uh, for all the obvious reasons that we've been mentioning and for the upcoming midterms and what a battle that has become and what dark money by the millions of dollars is coming in for all the left to try and promote and uh, continue their siege of taking over America and bringing in socialism. And we are in the heated stages of the battle in America at this time. And that's one of the things that uh, we really need to get a hold of God. And I know you have been praying, but that's why I read this text, because it's something that we mention all the time. Uh, yeah, we're praying about this, and you mention it every Sunday, and the Sunday school teachers, our parents mention it, and we're praying all the time. And I thought, well, let me read a scripture that'll bring a little more light on the subject. And Jesus is speaking, and uh, Luke 18.1 says, And he spake a parable 
unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not faint. That's good admonition. Because the one thing that we can never let up on, never get lax about, never get lukewarm about, is prayer. Prayer is, and you've heard me mention this just recently, prayer is the one thing that everybody can do. No matter what age, but everybody can do it. And the more prayers that are prayed, the more the odds starting shifting in God's favor, in our favor, and in the favor of Christianity. Christianity has had a lot of battles, been a lot of rough places, a lot of blood, a lot of mercifulness, a lot of slaughter, a lot of death, a lot of armies been put on the battlefield. And people look at that and look at the history of Christianity and the wars, the 30-year Protestant wars and everything that went on in the Dark Ages, and they get a wrong impression about Christianity because we know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God. And the greatest weapon that we have, which I think for the most part we don't use as efficiently as we can because, not that we're bad people, but because we are so busy today and so distracted today with so many things going on, so many places to go, so many things to do, so many issues in our life are coming in and we hardly have the time and we're totally exhausted. And the thought of trying to pray, just, it's people are just too tired to pray. And how many people have started to pray? And I've, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I woke up early in the morning. The first thing I do is start praying, and the last thing I do every night, and I'll start praying, and I don't realize how exhausted I am at the end of the day, and I'll say a few things, and next thing you know, I'm off in glory land. And that's an experience that we're all familiar with. And we're all very busy people. We're industrious. We always try to stay on top of things, but sometimes... It gets the best of us. So Jesus said that men ought always to pray. That's not something you can put on the back burner. It's something that we've got to do because it will move God to intervene for us, our problems, the issues going on, Prayer has turned nations. Prayer has turned souls. Prayer has turned illnesses. It, it has done wonderful things. And men ought always to pray and not to faint. The reason that prayer 
is such a major issue in the Word of God. It's in the field of prayer that life's critical battles are either won or lost. It's on the battlefield of prayer whether or not our children are going to be saved or lost. Whether our church is going to survive the day and age and all the distractions and all the seduction and all the spirits that are turned loose in America. Prayer will help us win that battle. And many churches are losing that battle. Many Christians are losing that battle. But prayer is that battlefield. And it's very critical that we faint not and that we keep praying. It's there in prayer, in a closet, with our door closed, that we conquer all of life's circumstances. We can bring our spiritual enemies into the presence of God. We can bring our burdens, our heartaches, whatever it is, we can bring it all into the presence of God. And it's a lot easier in the presence of God to win the battle, to fight the battle, to stay on top of situations. And that's why Jesus is driving at men ought always to pray and not faint. There's times we're all tired, we're all exhausted. Sometimes we can't even think straight. We got so many things on our mind. But Jesus is exhorting us in the one area to stay alert and the one area to keep doing something that can make a difference is men ought always. Notice always. Always. I asked George Wilson one day, I said, George, how often do you pray? I've mentioned this before. I said, how often do you pray? You all know George, most of you know George Wilson, very powerful man of God. He lives in communistic Cuba. They've tried to kill him. He doesn't dare to allow them to operate on him. He's afraid that they'll deliberately lose him on the operating table. George has a lot of influence. He's the head of a lot of churches down there in Cuba, doing a fabulous work. He's now up in years. He's limited now in what he can do. But I said, George, how often do you pray? And he said to me, the better question is, how did, he re, how did he say that? I said, when do you pray? And he said, as he said to me, he said, the better question is, when am I not praying? He says, I'm praying all the time, Brother Tony. I'm praying when I'm on my way to church. I'm praying when I'm on my way to make a sick call. I'm praying when I'm getting ready to preach. I'm praying when I'm in the home. I'm praying when I'm in the neighborhood. And he's gotten a hold of this idea that men ought always to pray. Secondly, we must conquer all our troubles there. We conquer them in prayer. How? How do we overcome that? Why ought men always to pray? And how do we conquer our troubles? 
Because it's in prayer that we receive grace and strength to confront our problems, to overcome our problems, and to continue to fight our problems. The Bible says, you have not because you pray not. Prayer is a tremendous tool in the hands of God's people. And I can still hear Dustin Wellings when he was preaching that Wednesday night. We need to weaponize prayer and how true it is. Because prayer makes the difficult, the burden, the dreaded trouble in our lives manageable. How many times have we went to God in prayer? We didn't know what we were going to do. We were just about to go under. We were overwhelmed. Didn't know if we'd be able to make it. Couldn't deal with this situation. Couldn't deal with the kids. Couldn't deal with the bills. Couldn't deal with the unemployment. Couldn't deal with the sickness. Couldn't deal with what's going on in America. But how many times have we went into the prayer closet and that dreaded thing all of a sudden become manageable because we found something called grace and strength in the presence of God. Prayer makes our giant problems, our anxieties, which look large and in charge, to shrink in the presence of God. I couldn't help but think of David, little David, Brought a lunch to his brothers. Their father wanted him to bring a lunch and see how the battle's going. And David was just a young boy. And both armies were at a standstill. And Goliath came out and he mocked the God of heaven. He ridiculed God's people. It was a giant of a thing, literally. And David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And David found courage, and he found strength, and he found grace, and he said, I'll go out there, and I'll shut him up. And he shut him up real good. It's amazing. David spent a lot of time with the sheep. He spent a lot of time with God. He spent a lot of time praying, spent a lot of time writing psalms. It makes our giant problems and anxieties, which look large, to shrink in the presence of God. And even if they don't, because some problems, when you go into a prayer closet and shut the door, and even though you get strength, you receive grace, some problems just don't go away. They stick around. Sometimes for a year. Sometimes for six months. Sometimes only God knows how long. But they don't all go away in our prayer closets. Prayer does what for us then? It gets us above our problems. In other words, we don't have to be overwhelmed with giving in to our problems and our troubles. You hear people say all the time, well, we're under the circumstances. 
well, we don't have to be under the circumstances. God can get us up and over the circumstances and the circumstances and the problems and the troubles and the, and the intimidation can all be, although it's trouble, can still be below our feet. Prayer can do that. Prayer can do that. In the presence of God, we can get up and over some of our most difficult situations. Men ought always to pray and faint not. I can tell you, since we got that dreaded phone call from Dr. DeShetler a year and a half ago and said my wife's counts were a hundred and something thousand white blood cells. And he was very hesitant how he was going to say it. We asked enough questions. And he said, you need to get to the emergency room right now. Everything stopped. I told you that. Everything that I thought was important all filtered to the back. And only one thing was important. We were facing death. And then it was a couple weeks later that we got the final news. And the doctor said, maybe six months to a year and a half. Because it's a very aggressive. How did we manage and how did we get over that? That's something that's in the front of your mind and it's very heavy. And all kinds of things rush to your mind. Will I be able when that time comes? Will I have the strength? Will I have the grace? And the only thing that has held us steady and enabled my wife and I, how could I continue to get my mind on messages and things to preach and deal with this problem and deal with that when I had this heavy burden in the front of my mind? How was my wife able to go on and live normal and do normal things when she was the one that was given a death sentence? It was prayer. And it was only prayer. And it was the prayer of God's people that enabled us to stay on pace and to do the things that God called us to do. It's not an easy thing. Most of you probably have been there. Those who have lost loved ones have been there. They've lost children have been there. And the only thing that keeps us going, kept us going, was we were able to get into the closet and pray, and pray often. And God brought us to thus far. We're still intact. We're still on schedule. We're still doing the things that God called us to do. 
But that weight is there all the time. I'm not begging for sympathy. I just want you to understand what prayer can do. It's a wonderful thing. It brings God into the picture. And when God comes into the picture, he brings strength and grace. And he enables us to do things that otherwise we would never be able to do in the flesh. Men always, men ought always to pray and faint not. In prayer, we find grace and faith. In prayer, we meet head on the pressures and the anxieties and the difficulties of life. Because when we're in prayer, we fall back on God. And God catches us. And he knows it's overwhelming. God knows what it is. His son, he gave his only son to be gotten. He knows we're touched with the feelings. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what it is to lose the son. And it's through his suffering that you and I are able to continue and to get to know him more and more and more. Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. It's amazing how God has ordained this duty of prayer to have such an impact upon our lives. In prayer, says men ought always to pray and not to faint. A lot of people, when they have heavy, heavy burdens they can't deal with, they look for things to escape from the pain and escape from the fear and escape from the burden. And the devil's right there. And he offers this addiction and that addiction and this thing and that thing. That's why almost half of this country is drugged up. They can't deal with the pressures. Thank God we don't have to find an addiction to deal with the pressures. We found God and his grace is sufficient. Paul wanted to get rid of the thorn in the flesh, but he says... I found out that his grace was sufficient for me. It's a wonderful thing. It's not a pleasant thing. It'll make you old before your time. In prayer, we find energy. When are we the most vulnerable? When we're tired. Physically tired, emotionally and mentally tired, and we become vulnerable. We're in a weakened position, and the enemy knows how to attack. But in prayer, we find that energy to stay alert and to stay diligent and to stay awake. As we go through the valley, as we go through the trials, we go through the whatever it is. 
The prayer ground helps us to conquer on the battleground. And we're on a battleground. We are on a battleground in America today for our homes, our children, our future. And you know all about it. How many saw the interview on the news where the president invited a trans to come in and interviewed the president. How many saw that? You saw it? Anybody else? The president of the United States was interviewing. It was a disgusting thing to see. It was vulgar. And you had this man dressed up like a woman. And all the euphoria of transitioning from one sex to another, the genital mutilation of the body in nine and ten-year-olds. And the president looked at that man and said, God help those people who don't see that this is right. That's darkness. In the driver's seat of America. And lauding this man and fueling the fire and the demons that were in that individual to continue on this path. And he's become a sensation on TikTok. And all those medias are crazy. And they're all going crazy because Elon Musk bought Twitter for $40 billion and it's going to be a playground for both sides to voice their opinions. He's bringing free speech back into the media. Thank God for that. Because what's out there now is darkness. And our leaders, it's terrible what they're advocating. And most of them are advocating, uh, advocating death right after the child is born. Personally, I think that's one of the greatest curses and one of the greatest sins going on in our country. It's terrible. And what a struggle. What a struggle our nation is in right now. And I know that God is the ultimate. I know that he's going to have the last say. And I know that he can put men in and he can take men out. He can put women in and he can take women out. I don't know what's in store for America, but I know this in my spirit.
I don't know how it is in yours. Some of you voiced your opinion. But when you see things at this, at this magnitude of insanity and perversion, you just got to look in the Bible and see what happened to other civilizations and generations when they were getting like we are today. Nathan Lazer was preaching in our last revival and he said 22 of the Caesars were pedophiles and were married to little boys. That's where we are. And I'm saying that to try to picture for you the magnitude of the battle that we're in in America. And dirty, filthy money is coming in from the West and the East and from overseas and from China and from this one and that one. So I thought it'd be time well spent for us who are here. Two or three are gathered. There Christ is in the midst. We need to pray. We don't have to pray long. We don't have to pray loud. God needs to see the burden of our heart.